Welcome to Pharmacy View Podcast, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key people within the Australian pharmacy and associated industry. In this stream of podcast episodes, we discuss aspects of technology or business operation and how each area interacts with guests' current role or pharmacy-related business. I'm your host, Scott Carpenter, and my guest today is proudly brought to you by Shopfront Solutions for all your digital shelf and marketing needs part of the Arian Technologies Group. My guest today is pharmacist John Shanks, Director of Craig and Coding Healthcare Application Development Company. Welcome, John. Ah, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. No, pleasure. And, uh, you know, I uh, haven't met you in person, but again, I was um, intrigued by a little bit of information that you put out through social media, enough for, to, to, for you to reach out to me and for me to actually reach back to you. And I guess it's good to hear today uh, what you've been doing. So for... Those listening today that do not know, um, who is pharmacist John Shanks? Yeah, so I'm a, uh, well, I guess a mid-career pharmacist. Um, I grew up in Lithgow on the west side of the Blue Mountains. Um, did my pharmacy degree at Newcastle Uni, which was the Masters of Pharmacy back then. Um, after I did my Masters, um, you know, I was at a crossroads, I think like a lot of interns, to deciding on whether I'd do community or hospital pharmacy and I landed on hospital um, because I got an internship at Coffs Harbour Base Hospital um, and yeah finished that did another six months or so as a floor pharmacist and then made my way up the coast to Darwin where I've been <laughs> ever since um, yeah that's so and doing community pharmacy or hospital pharmacy today so yeah pretty much exclusively hospital for me um, I've done a, a little bit of community pharmacy um, that was in Brisbane. Um, so, yeah, me and my partner, we, you know, after the intern year, we bought a 1969 beat-up old Toyota Coaster minibus and we made our way up the coast and we made it to Normanton and then one of the wheel bearings exploded. And, yep. uh, we were stuck there for about two weeks um, and it cost a fair bit to get it all fixed up. So then I yeah, I went for a locum job in Darwin and then yeah, just just ended up here. Yeah. The rest um, the rest as they say is your history. That's it. So. Yeah. That's a pretty standard story, I think, here in Darwin. Um but yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed hospital. Um I think as a like an entry level pharmacist, I got a bit stressed out, um, as you generally do. Um I try and probably tried a bit too hard. I'd often like I'd review patients during the day but it was pretty busy the old darwin hospital so um quite often i'd get worried after a busy day i'd drive back into the hospital in the evening and just double check charts and make sure i hadn't missed something important um and yeah usually i didn't but every now and then i found something you know, pretty pretty critical which i was glad i made the drive back in to do and um after getting sort of you know getting a bit sick of driving back into work it was only a couple of blocks but um, I started to develop some tools to identify patients of interest and help me out during the day. Um, and I enrolled in an IT master's degree as well to try and, you know, do it properly. Um, and they were pretty successful. Um, so I built a few tools. And I built one um, with the help of um, one of the IT staff who were working in NT Health at the time, which identified patients automatically um, if their renal failure was starting to crash out and they're on a you know, renally cleared medication or, you know, or it had about 300 rules in there which would identify patients of interest. You know, they prescribe something with a weird indication, which is a normal or all sorts of things. 
Um, and I started using that and it was pretty good. Um, I used to walk around the hospital and <laughs> people would be like, John, how do you know all this stuff? Like I'd always like walk to like bed 24 and be like, oh, there's a SIP 3A4 interaction over there. <laughs> We'd better yeah. sort that out. Yeah, it was pretty, it was good. Um, so that was pretty successful, that app. Um, and made another one which um, was for like antimicrobial decision support pathways, which we developed as a open source project. Um, I think we had 15 hospitals in its heyday involved in the project. Um, and the idea was we'd just have an open source code base where we could build decision support pathways. So it would ask a series of questions like, does the patient have a penicillin allergy? You know, how's their renal function? Are they elderly? Um, you know, what's, where's the site of infection, et cetera. And then it would say, all right, in this scenario, this is exactly what you do. And it sort of get rid of the white noise and make it so you couldn't really make a mistake um, when you're reading a guideline. And that was generally successful, that app, um, except people didn't really like to learn HTML or JavaScript to update yep. it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, so it eventually flunked. Um, the first sign of that was um, Achuka Hospital. Uh, they were, you know, they were great guys and got on board with the, the project, but then eventually they just couldn't keep it up to date. And with the staff churn down there, they decided... Uh, we might as you know we can't keep it updated. We're going to drop the platform, and um, which sort of said to me, you know, it's not really sustainable to have yep. an open source health tech project. You know, I think uh, it's probably pretty naive. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah. So, so my yeah. reading to that was that the application was right. It was mm -hmm. just to to remain viable. It needed to be continually updated, and and that yeah, was ultimately the, the problem. Yeah. Um, and I guess the uh, the unprecedented years in recent times of just getting people to show up for work at all uh, would have actually exacerbated that as well. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, I yeah, I wish I'd, I'd um, gone a different direction in my career, probably. So that project kind of flunked out, um, and so then I went, I moved into a management role. Um, more towards the IT side of things um, yep. in NT Health. Um, and that, you know, that was okay for a while. And then um, I got unintentionally promoted to a senior executive level position and I didn't love that. Yeah. <laughs> too much. yeah. I was in that job for about a year. Um, and, you know, the whole time I was sort of thinking I'm not really enjoying this senior management side of things, um, you know, especially in government. I think, yeah, it's kind of like wading through mud. You want to make change, but you just can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, eventually I just canned it all and went, you know, when I was happiest in my life was when I was doing this yep. open source project and I was building apps on the wards to try and, like, identify patients and pretending I was a genius when <laughs> really yep. it was just like a bunch of nested if statements to identify, you know, problem patients. Um, yeah, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to give it up and I'm going to do what I like doing, you know, and so... Yeah, just um, left, quit work altogether and started working full-time in the startup and okay. doing the same sort of stuff. Yeah. It's been amazing. So it's so yeah. interesting through that conversation. I've obviously had the opportunity to meet thousands of pharmacists and, and interview here on the podcast quite a few pharmacists that um, there seems to be, from my perspective anyway, a definite link between pharmacy, pharmacists, and IT technology platforms. Um, oh, yeah. and, and, and what I mean by that is that as much as a pharmacist might be busy you know, dispensing, um, filling forms, et cetera, the whole time I'm, I'm imagining your brains you know, ticking over saying, 
how can I make this faster? How can I make mm-hmm. this easier? And that's that's mm-hmm. what this is about, isn't it? You've you've yeah. taken your your core skill that uh, you were training, which is pharmacy. You've said actually, this is great, but actually we can make it better. And, and how can we make that better? So that I guess leads on to where you're at today, doesn't it? So that's it. I got it. Yeah, I was quite fortunate as well when I started doing the um the startup thing. You know, I did the the uni training. Um, that was an online. You know, and I only ended up doing a postgrad dip because what I found really valuable was working with my sister and her brother, my brother-in-law, her partner. And I think when we first founded the startup, she was working at Google, and he's you know a pretty um, senior developer at Lassian, and so they they helped me a lot. Um, and <laughs> they don't, probably don't know it, but they really helped me to to learn how to you know build apps and do it properly <laughs> they, mm-hmm. it was pretty funny in the early days the way i used to do it and they'd, <laughs> they did, yeah, they'd pay me out pretty regularly for doing the, all sorts uh, of bizarre uh, things and but what that what that ties into is i think it's there are so many parallels in software development and pharmacy which you don't really realize and mm-hmm. doing pharmacy work has made me such a good software developer because there's that you're always checking your work. You're always making sure that, you know, you don't make a mistake. Um, and it's that mindset. It's and a procedural way of doing things. It's just they're almost the same in a way. <laughs> and see, yep. It sounds funny because they're completely different jobs, but they're actually almost identical in the way you do them. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting. I think pharmacists, yeah, inherently make good, software developers um it's just learning another language that's all yeah from from that perspective so Mm -hmm. let's talk about the platform that certainly piqued my interest which is clinical branches um predominantly built for the hospital um scenario as i understood but but now um, i've had the opportunity to have a look at a great little youtube video that you've put up and we'll include a link for that at this point um, here, I think I'm meant to do, if you if you kind of watch here, the link will pop up. And um, uh, the, the question now is, is that whether that's got an application in pharmacy or not. And I understood from our conversation the other day that you had the opportunity to go to the PSA conference uh, a couple of weeks ago. So talk to us about that. Yeah, so yeah, I was lucky enough to get an invite by the PSA to compete in the Shark Tank <laughs> with the, you know, the investor judges there. Um, so... Yeah, the idea, I, I, it was a while back. Um, I can remember I heard the the chief for the RACGP uh, saw in the news that she'd put a, a statement out, um, which was really critical of pharmacists prescribing in Queensland with that trial. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, we were launching clinical branches um, for WA Health, for WA Country Health, um, who have been amazing, by the way, and really supportive of our startup. Um, so... We were just putting it in there and I saw that and I thought, you know, if we had a really structured way of doing pharmacist prescribing, I think we wouldn't have had all those issues with that trial. Um, not that I don't think they were that bad anyway. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I ended up, I reached out to um, the Guild and the PSA um, and the PSA have been very supportive of the idea of building pathways to help pharmacists, not only with pharmacists prescribing, but, you know, with any sort of over-the-counter presentation and even front-of-shop presentations. Um, so I started to build out the platform. It wasn't too much work to change it a little so that it's more community pharmacy-centric rather than, you know, useful for a hospital ward. Um, and right now I'm really just gauging the market to see whether there's, you know, anyone is interested in this sort of 
way of retrieving data and you know retrieving information um, rather than using its standard text-based guideline whether they'd like to follow a pathway and um, i think there's also some applications for home medicines reviews as well with the um the same rules which i use for you know uh, prioritizing ward lists for ward pharmacists and um, i think you could do that with a hmr as well we've already got rules in there which you know look for cardioselective beta blockers with people with diabetes or you know changes in renal function or all sorts of things like that and so you could plug the data in and almost generate an hmr automatically so i think yep i suspect there's a lot yeah there's a fair bit in this space but um you know <laughs> it's hard to know um and you know the last thing i want to do is really spend a lot of time you know getting into something and then find out you know, people aren't really interested in changing the way they they, they use the you know what processes they do yeah, now and, yeah. and I might just clarify there. So this is the hospital scenario you're saying is already quite successful. This is yeah, yeah. a question around whether it would work in community pharmacy based on again your learnings around someone needs to embrace it, someone needs to um, use it, have an, ensure their their team are using it, ensure yeah. that the customers are getting used to to seeing it, um, and then continuing developing. And and what I noticed on the the uh, video was that you could customize it. Well, sorry, whilst there were some standard parameters, I'll use that term, mm. you can actually customise it for your pharmacy scenario, your patient scenario. That, that was what I understood, wasn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, should have, sorry, it should have gotten into how it works, really. So oh, what it's a good, does, good time to do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it gives you a canvas, basically, which you can drag and drop pages onto and what we call widgets, you know, which are just like little clinical um pieces of information so it could just be a piece of text or it could be a calculator for a bmi or a dose or you know you name it we build a set of widgets which people can just drag onto pages to build pathways um, and then you basically build a branching decision tree and then um, end users who access the decision tree then just get asked a series of questions on you know standard web pages which say okay you know does the patient have a penicillin allergy you know how old are they have they had recurrent you know, cystitis symptoms, something like that. Um, and then it'll say, okay, in this exact scenario, this is what you do. Um, so it can also record which way people go down on the pathways. Um, so if you generate a referral, it'll automatically record everything that you clicked to get to that point, yep. um, yeah, which is useful. And we also um, have set it up so that any pathway which anyone builds gets put into a central repository. Um, the idea is... Like I used to hate it when I worked in the hospital is everyone was plagiarizing each other's procedures. Like, yeah. uh, every every state does it um, yeah, quite openly. And so rather than doing that, you can just click a subscribe button and just subscribe to a pathway uh, which someone else has made with an agreement with them. And if you so do have so, some, yeah. So collaboration throughout the industry, is that what you're saying? That's it. Yeah. We've even got like a discussion forum which tags to the side. And if you... Um, contribute in there and you make a recommendation and someone accepts it, you get like a clinical credits score um, and your user ranking sort of goes up as a contributor. Okay. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think it's a nice little, little yep. thing. You can also customize, yeah, you can customize widgets within the pathways so that your users, when they look at it, will see like a different phone number compared to, you know, if a person in South Australia sees it. Yeah. Or, you know, or if you've got a different recommendation for treatment. So you can still keep the same pathway structure, but have little local variations as well. So you don't have to rebuild a whole new one to subscribe to someone else's pathway. So, yeah, the whole idea is it's just a platform to share 
decision support, whether it be a decision support rule to identify, you know, a patient who's missing an INR or warfarin or something like that, or whether it's a whole pathway on how to manage, you know, a UTI or a cough or, you know, you name it. Um, so we've only built out three community pharmacy pathways at the moment, um, emergency contraception, cough, and cystitis. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested to see, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed building them. Um, and I want to see whether, you know, there's anyone out there who wants to, wants to use them. <laughs> take, them take them up. Yeah. yeah. So and I guess that's a good call out there at this point in time. So from what we've discussed today, if there's a listener today in the community pharmacy industry um, uh, had their interest peaked, um, uh, John's contact details will be part of the um, the either the show notes or, or even included here in the, um, the recording. And uh, by all means, re reach out to John and, and have that next chat. And uh, you know, I'll, I would stay in touch then from uh, that perspective. So is there anything else around clinical branches that we need to be aware of in terms of what the future looks like or what it could do? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I had an interesting request um, recently by one of the uh, obstetricians at Darwin Hospital, and she wanted to build an app which talked to patients before they came into hospital to try and triage whether they're you know, appropriate for hospital admission or not um, and to help you know, them with their concerns. And so it's like a chatbot. And so I started playing around um, with the GPT API, the, the programming interface. So you can send little packets to GPT and then it'll give you a recommendation based on what you send to it. Um, and it's been pretty cool. So what we can do and what I'm really interested to do as a project is when we build these pathways and these decision trees, um, you can actually send, whenever someone lands on a page, rather than actually show them a page, you can have a chat screen where it says, hi, you know, what, 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 do you, what do you want to help with? And you can say, oh, I've had a pretty bad cough, you know. And then we can send a packet to GPT and say, based on that, information from that person what's the best pathway we should start on and then it'll go to the next the best pathway and then it will then say okay how long you know have you had the cough and the patient can then write in there and you can send that to gpt and say based on that which of these options would be the you know the response to that patient um and it's been pretty fun um yep. playing with this api and yeah so what i want to do now is build a little chatbot for mm -hmm. pre-triaging patients um and this would be for, you know, it'd be either for, I think, ED, ED departments or community pharmacies to decide whether at all they should come to your pharmacy or just go straight to the GP and then what you can offer them. Um, and so that I think it'd be good for the, you know, the people who are a bit socially anxious and don't really want yeah. to come into the pharmacy. You could just <clears throat> chat to a little chatbot and say, oh, this is my problem. Um, and I'll say, oh, well, in your case, we'd probably recommend, you know, Zinc lozenges, there's um, guifenesin, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah, coming to, you know, your local pharmacy for that. And so, yeah, I'm pretty keen to, to play around with that, um, mainly just because it's a lot of fun. It would also need um, therapeutic goods uh, registration as software yeah. as a medical device, though, because we're using AI, and so that meets the criteria. But yes. from what I've been, how I've been using it, it's pretty on the money. This is what ChatGPT yep. was originally made for, is for chat. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. so when, when, when you say chat, um, mm -hmm. you're talking typing chat? or Yeah. Or yeah. Chat? So you'd open, it'd be like a messenger screen in your phone yeah. and you'd have a little robot talking to you and saying, hi, you know, what do you need help with? And then you just talk to it as a human being and it guides yep. you along a pathway. So it's yep. like ChatGPT on Rails. 
basically. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you can build the pathways in clinical branches um, as you would for any other pathway, but build a pathway for a patient to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting direction, I'll, you know, I'd like to go in. Um, but, you know, it's got, you can... You can throw a rock anywhere and there's there's something fun you can do. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. and again, I guess as you've described that to me, um, if I'm a um, human being in a community, and I, I know from a Google perspective some of this is there anyway, but you're saying this is more from a professional practice standards. There could be an app that's available here in my local community. I've got a cough. Hey, <laughs> do I need to go and see my doctor or can I go and see my pharmacist? Because I think today mm. that's a big, broad unknown. It's it's like, A, if you can get into a doctor today, it can be a challenge. So so sometimes the pharmacy could be the easier option or at least the preliminary option, which I'm not sure if it happens in the Northern Territory, but certainly here in Victoria, we often get the ads on television that says, you know, your nurse on call, your pharmacist um, are also there for you. Um, if you can't get into hospital or medical practice. So, so that, in my mind, as we're talking about this, says, well, as I said, it's, it's kind of like Dr Google, which hasn't got a rating, but this is more a professional practice that could be available to me that says, got a scratchy throat. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What, what are my options? And I could be sitting on the, on the lounge, you know, just typing this into chat and then ultimately, okay, well, your first step could be go and see your pharmacist and see what they think. Because we certainly know that if the pharmacist doesn't believe they're the most appropriate solution, they're going to refer you on to the medical practice anyway, aren't they? Yep, exactly. So what, yeah, what it would do, what we do with the community pharmacy pathways at the moment is we keep the breadcrumb as the last page, you get a summary of what, has been clicked to get to this point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think there's opportunity as well for techs to use pathways out the front of shop to pre-triage patients to see whether they, you know, whether there's a front of shop um, treatment or whether they need an over-the-counter medication. Um, and it would be the same thing if a patient's interacting with the the tool, whether they can, you know, whether they come to the pharmacy or not. And then you could get the breadcrumb of what they've, you know, what their conversation's been to get there. Um, you know, ahead of time. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just playing around. So, so, no, no, no. Yeah. But again, I, th- I think, again, I, and if I describe it to you this way, because I'm, I'm certainly aware from my experience that there's been a range of software platforms available in community pharmacy that could could triage a customer before they got to the pharmacist that with with some levels of success. I won't I won't name names or brands as per se, but but they've been out there. But um, to me, they were very static responses. I have a cough. Mm. Okay, here's your options. How about yeah. cough? But yeah. what you're saying to me now with AI, chat GPT technology, it's more, it's not a static response. It's actually more mm. a living, living response. If, if virtual reality is a living thing, but it, yep. it, it kind of is these days, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you just have to tell it in the prompt, can you please respond in a conversational manner? Um, and then... And then it selects, yeah, it moves through the pathway as if you were clicking pages, um, except you're actually, you know, you're talking to a robot. It's, it's yeah. a bit bizarre. Yeah, and the other thing I think I liked from, uh, if I understood your, your conversation, was that any chat that I've had with any kind of link or referral relative to me is a document at the end, isn't it, that could yeah. become a referral. And I think that was the other thing that I, I yeah. really kind of piqued my interest here is that, this is something that could then be handed on to a pharmacist. Well, okay, here's how I got to here. Mm. Uh, and the pharmacist can have a quick look at that. Whereas without that, the pharmacist is starting again, aren't they? Yeah. 
you wouldn't even need to hand it to them. So the way it's set up right now, all the pathway breadcrumbs um, go into a central, like a database for that pharmacy. And so you can search all the pathways that have been followed for your pharmacy um, and see which direction people have been going. Um, you know, so you can go back in time and search any any breadcrumb and anything which results in a referral. Then it also asks, can you just pop the patient's name in? Um, and so then it'll also generate a referral letter, which you can print, and it'll save that referral so that then you're not liable in the future. If you, you know, if someone says, oh, well, you know, why didn't you tell me to see the GP? You've got that paper record to say, well, I definitely did. Yeah. From there. Cool. Yeah. Um, John, we're coming to the end of our time, which I did say to you this, this chat could go very quickly, but <laughs> was there anything else on your list of notes or points that we haven't covered off so far? Uh, no, I think I'm uh, pretty happy. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, the main thing for me is um, now I'm just interested to see if, you know, if there's anyone out there who wants to get involved with this project. You know, I'm always keen to, you know, just improve decision-making for, for Australian clinical staff. That's, that's what yeah. we're all about here. Cool. And uh, the other thing I'll try and do uh, as part of this recording, so if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll actually try and incorporate um, John's video um, silent over the top as we're chatting so that uh, what you're chatting about makes a little bit more sense. If you're listening to us on um, a verbal podcast or a recorded podcast, then we'll make sure that the link to John's um, videos are in, in the show notes as well to click on from that perspective. So, John, thank you very much for the chat today. I've really enjoyed that. As I said, you, you piqued my interest anyway. Uh, technology in healthcare, technology in pharmacies, um, certainly of interest to me, and it was enough for, to us to reach out and have a chat. So thanks very much for your time today. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for listening today. Pharmacy View is a technology-focused podcast provided by Melbourne-based business Arian Technologies and Shopfront Solutions. Over the podcast series, our guests include pharmacists, retail managers, wholesalers, suppliers, and industry technology partners. If you would like further information on our podcast series or to participate in one of our episodes, feel free to send me a message or touch base through the Pharmacy View website, pharmacyview.com.au.